Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 31, Bo Butler, a.k.a. Bobo, a.k.a. Bo from Avail. Uh, I've known Bo, I mean, we're not like boys or anything, but I've known him for a long time, 20-some years. We've been interacting off and on here and there. I guess I haven't really been around him that much over the last fucking 10 years, I don't know, but we crossed paths and got a match back in the day, and uh, you know, he's he's a notorious character, I've always been aware of him, and uh, as we point out for me, um, he represented Avail more than anybody else in Avail did, and uh, from this conversation, I, you know, I drove away from it realizing that, you know, he is a, he kind of plays the role of the fool, not the fool like you know, an idiot, but the fool, the court jester, the one who uh, tweaks the nose of the king, um, likes to get a rise out of people, likes to poke fun, likes to uh, instigate. It's kind of a catalyst. doesn't actually, you know, isn't the one that uh, capitalizes on or follows through with whatever is instigated by the uh, catalyst, but is a catalyst and is kind of an agent of chaos, a little puck, you know. Um, at least that's the way I feel about him. And I, I enjoyed the fuck out of this conversation. It was really great to just go toe-to-toe with him. And also hear the story about, uh, you know, how he got to Richmond, how Vale got to Richmond, and some of his experiences. Because, I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't all that interested uh, back then. But I have come to be much more interested. And it's also part of the whole tapestry, if you will, of what Richmond has to offer and what Richmond is about to me and uh, the subculture, the underground, the uh, the independent personalities. He is certainly that, an independent personality. Um, on a completely different note, on a flip side of what is independent personalities, I went to one of the more mainstream events that Richmond has to offer last week, the uh, Richmond Ballet. A friend of mine, Kate, is a seamstress that um, works in costume design and costume implementation at the ballet, and she had free tickets. So Morgan and Kate and Chris Irving, who has been a guest on this podcast, uh, and I all went to the ballet, and uh, it was like a three-hour affair, three different ballets, and it was fucking awesome. Really, like, really cool. Really... (laughs) Gave me a lot to chew on, and I just enjoyed the spectacle. I, I really haven't taken advantage of that sort of thing in Richmond since I was in maybe middle school when they used to take us to the mosque or whatever the fuck to go to the Richmond Symphony. I have not, on my own, done much more than go to the Richmond Symphony maybe once in the last 20 years, maybe twice. You know, Here and there, my parents will wind up with tickets, uh, and I'll take advantage of it. I did go to the opera and saw Falstaff for that very reason because my parents had tickets. And, you know, so I've, I've had two visits to Center Stage in the last month and really had a great time every time. And I'm really surprised, I suppose, pleasantly at all of the people that are represented, all the Richmonders that come out to check that sort of thing out. And it's not, I guess it's not what I thought it was. I had kind of, maybe I had stuck in my head the, this old idea not that there's anything wrong with it but that it's just kind of the old blue hairs that used to come to the Virginia Museum to see the Theater of Virginia when I worked in the members dining room and you know those people are fine but it's just not necessarily who I want to go see you know entertainment with 
<clears throat> I don't mind making them martinis and serving them Chardonnay, but, you know. But, I'm, you know, that's not how it is. There are lots of fucking people drawn to the more classical kinds of entertainment. And then, of course, there are lots of people who are finding nuances to the uh, old school forms of entertainment to make them relevant and make them appeal to people who have been brought up on the kind of art and entertainment that people of my generation and younger have. A ballet is no exception. Um, and I, I, so I dug it. It was great. And we also, you know, before we went to Pasture, who are uh, friends and supporters of this show, had a great meal. Steak tartare, quail's eggs, and uh, with a quail egg, not plural eggs, one egg. And uh, lots of other lovely treats. Um, and then went to Max's on Broad. If you haven't been there yet, Max's is a Belgian and French brasserie-style restaurant on Broad that I... Well, you know, Ted and, and Liz are my friends. They're not paying me to say this. I just, I love the place. I think it's really awesome. I've only had mussels and beurre blanc and uh, fries there so far, but, uh, oh, and some desserts, which were great, uh, ch- dark chocolate mousse and whatnot. I just felt like talking about it because I dig it. Check them out. Max is on, on broad. If you like French food, brasserie food. And before we get into Bo, I just want to say I'm trying to move out of where I'm living here uh, with this guy who's starting to hate on me for uh, having a uh, love affair with my girlfriend. So um, I I found a house in Churchill, and I need to move like in the next couple months. And I'm not super liquid at the moment, you know. Restaurant Depot don't pay a fortune. So if you're supporters of this podcast and you like it and you dig what I'm doing... Um, Kick me a little shekel, a ducat, or some snaps, whatever you prefer. I could use some a little boost making this move. And uh, you can find that on my donate page on thetantricconversation.com. So I appreciate it. If you can if you can do anything, thanks a lot. Kickstart some shit. I don't know. On we go into Bobo. Bye-bye. And it was living on it would now be dead, so you don't have to worry about it. If you want, you can take some of your Clorox and disinfectant no, that's wipes. that's for the kids. Okay. <laughs> they, are, is that for their hands or for anything they touch? <laughs> it's for the table. <laughs> this is where they eat? Yeah. This is their right spot. On. You're actually in Macho's spot, and I'm in Sissy's spot. Macho? Tiny so, Macho and Little Sissy. Tell me about these kids of yours, man. I didn't. Uh, I knew that you had them, but uh, ages? Uh, uh, I got a five-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. Awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm not very good with... I mean, obviously, you you've known me forever, and I've always given people nicknames. So yeah. it's so Macho is not his real. No, <laughs> his real name is Crew, and I call him Macho. Crew, how do you spell that? C R U. C R U. Is that short for? No? It's after that horrible uh, '80s movie Rad. Remember Crew Jones, the, the BMXer? I, don't think I saw that. No, it was the worst movie in the history of the world, and I hated it. But Sarah uh-huh. loves it. Yeah, because she was a BMXer. Right? Oh, she was. Yeah, she was all into BMX. She looks like she's. She's. I mean, Kristen posted a picture of the two of them the other night, like doing karaoke, and and she looks like she's been. She crew, just. Like, she just started working out. She's never worked out in her life. Really? And yeah, and it really makes people mad. <laughs> yeah, because she's always <laughs> kind of been built like a athlete. I yeah, think, she, yeah, and it was a swimmer for a long time. Like ah, she was built okay. like a swimmer, and yeah. people and she Broke got shoulders. really pissed about. it. She was super mm-hmm. self conscious about it, which is really I never understood. But I, oh, I mean, she looks like. Just a powerful badass, you know. Right, it's <laughs> kind of the yeah. way it rolls. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh, Sissy's name is Rory, 
Rory. So, yeah, I, I didn't mean to intentionally make my son macho and my daughter sissy, but it's just the way it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and she's two. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know, I was thinking about this riding over here until, like, I sat down with Taylor. I didn't really, I didn't give any thought to the hardcore, you know, punk uh, tradition of Richmond. And it's a really significant one. At this point, yeah. Yeah, and to the, like, not just to people on the East Coast, but the whole freaking world, like. So, to to, a point, right? To a degree. Definitely all over this country. I want to say that the Southeast especially. Yeah. Like, the Southeast, like, knows Richmond and you know it's like the sister city to Gainesville and mm-hmm. nobody knew who the fuck Gainesville was until like hot water exploded and stuff mm-hmm. like that but yeah it was weird when we moved here because we moved here just randomly like out of the blue mm-hmm. the entire band moved here mm-hmm. and from where uh, Reston oh yeah, yeah. So Nova so, kids yeah we're all Nova kids which mm-hmm. which of course went over like a ton of fucking bricks to anybody yeah. that's been Richmond their entire life like you're not even from fucking here right know? and it's such a territorial scene yeah that, so did you have problems with the like no, not really. We just, well, yeah, kind of, a little bit, but not really. It was, like, obviously, like, uh, Four Walls Falling existed when you guys... Yeah, Four Walls there. Falling existed, and mm-hmm. Four Walls actually, like, Taylor and a couple of, like, the, the straight-edge kids that we knew were, like, actually in straight-edge bands, because there was no real straight-edge bands in Northern Virginia. Right. And maybe there we didn't know of any, because, I mean, straight-edge was only... Other than minor threat, yeah, right. there was only like a couple ten years, if not not even ten years, but a couple like six years old at that mm-hmm. point, and like we knew about four walls falling, and they came up to a show, and by show I mean like us playing in some, one of our friends' uh, garages, mm-hmm. and and they came up and we we're like, holy shit, you know, like the Richmond Straight Edge kids are here, like four walls falling is here, yeah, and we were pretty stoked about that, and I think, I think we were like in our. 14, 15. So Taylor and them were only like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that like older kids were coming. Oh, you guys were us. that young when you came here as a band? Like, we we moved here when we were all roughly around like 19. And you already had a band going. Yeah. It songs was, and. It's, it's the be- Like I tell the story a lot. Like it's a really funny story. Uh, Tim, who at the at that time was the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Berry. Yeah. Right? Now the acoustic horse shit. No, he's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, his brother went to school at VCU and lived basically on frat row on Cary street. Mm-hmm. Remember where yep. that little frat row right was? Right near ha- where hard times was back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Harrison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much right at, like maybe a block away from Harrison. And, uh, it was like a Friday night and all of Avail and all of our friends would all hang out in Tim's garage mm-hmm. and Joe and Tim, I don't have any idea why, but we're just like, fuck it. We're going to go down to Richmond and check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. And it was like 12 o'clock. And uh, granted, the story that, that they tell me and then the way I retell it are probably a little more embellished. And hopefully I have a little bit more character to it because Joe can't tell a story to save his life. <laughs> what is Joe's last name? Banks. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so they, 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 they get there. You know, who wants to go? Who wants to go? Mm-hmm. And like I wanted to hang out with my girlfriend or something. And nobody else could get out. And they're like, oh, I got soccer practice or whatever. And so Tim and Joe hop in the, in Joe's car and blast down here. And this is before 95 was mm-hmm. a horrible mess. Yeah. And so they got here at like 1.30. And like uh, Tim's brother was like, yeah, you got to go check out Gray Street, West Gray Street. You know, just walk up the street and you'll find it. And it's, it's awesome. It's really yeah. cool. And Tim had super long hair down to his waist. And Joe had like a weird little afro. 
but like, <laughs> but like Tony Hawk bangs, you uh-huh. know, like they were, I mean, I guess they probably fit in, in yeah. Richmond. But well, anything went on Gray Street at that point. At that yeah. point, right? Yeah. So I guess they walk up to where the village was because the village was on the other side of the mm-hmm. street and they start walking towards the metro, mm-hmm. which is Empire now. Yeah. And they said they walked past uh, a triple X theater. Yeah. And they walked by this place called Newgate Prison, yeah. which is all into like crazy hair metal. Yeah. And then they walked by Twisters. Jade and, Elephant. And then they walked by the Jade Elephant. And then there was nothing else. And then they walked past uh, a strip club mm-hmm. and they got to Metro. And I guess, like, it took them like, they got here at like 1.30. And they said they're kind of walking around for 10 or 15 minutes. And the streets were pretty much deserted. Yeah. And it was just kind of lame. And then. They got up to the metro, and they're like, well, fuck this. This sucks. Yeah. And so they kind of started walking back. And I guess that by the time they got near the Jade, the streets emptied. <laughs> and millions of people came out. Well, I guess at the metro, uh, Faith No More was playing. Uh, at the Jade, Nuclear Assault was playing. Some crazy metal band was playing at, at Newgate. You know, mm-hmm. like, and by crazy, I mean, like, leopard print, you know, mm-hmm. Spanish Right, yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. And then some, you know... Richmond type band, you know, where dudes were wearing black and like hug each other, like (laughs) doing this weird little pseudo emo thing that they all did, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like emptied out into the streets. And they said there was a fight at Jade Elephant, and like a bunch of bouncers and a bunch of metalheads came coming out, and like one metalhead like ripped out a shrub to like swing it at some somebody and like threw it in the street, and another metalhead lit it on fire. And I mean, we're coming from Raston, and granted, we went to DC a lot, but we were just like, whoa, you know, they were kind of like, whoa. And so they, they were like, Faith No More played, Nuclear Assault played, a metalhead just lit a f- tree on fire in the middle of the street. Fuck it, we're moving here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess they came back like Sunday and we're like, all right, if you guys want to keep the band together, we're moving to Richmond. Damn. We're, we're moving. That's awesome. And so like they moved and then I was still dealing with military stuff and then I moved back. What military I, stuff were you dealing with? I was in the Navy. You were? Mm-hmm. And I deserted. So how old... You have to be 18 to join the Navy? No, I was actually 17. Oh, really? I had the whole old school, you either join the military or we're going to press charges kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like the police said that to you? Uh, No. Or your parents were like... The school board said that to Mm. me. So I joined the military and it didn't last long and deserted and came back and had to get out. So what's the story with that? You see, why'd you pick the Navy and then why'd you leave? They were the only only place that would take you Mm -hmm. underage without a GED. Mm. And so that's where I went. Did you did you like did you get anything out of being in the navy? Did totally. you dig that at all? Yeah, totally. I to- up until like being on the ship, I totally loved it. Yeah, yeah. Like the it's stupid as it sounds, like all the weird structure mm-hmm. and you know the whole like if, I don't know if you don't do something, you have to do a hundred push ups. Right. What I mean, what could they really do to me? They could. Yeah. Punch, I've been to, going to punk rock shows since I was fourteen. It's right. not like you could punch me in the face. Right. Right. You know, like you just you yell can at take me. a beating. I can right? take yeah, I can take a beating at that. <laughs> point. I was this tiny little kid. You know, yeah. I got my ass kicked regularly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you could just yell at me and big deal. I could just giggle and you could make me do more push-ups. I can't do but so many push-ups. Right, right. But all that stuff I really enjoyed. It was just, and like going to all the transient units and all that stuff I actually really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So when I got on my ship, I I didn't enjoy that at all. And it wasn't necessarily any other reasons besides I was an 18-year-old punk rocker, Mm you know? There was no entertainment, no simulation. Well, I was a sober, skinhead, skater, kid. And like the one dude that I thought like we could bond with was like, yeah, I like I like dance, oh, yeah, I like dancing. And I was like, that's cool, I guess. I was like, do you like the Misfits? And he's like, who? And I was like, fuck. 
So it's like being in the stuck in the smallest town possible, but you're on water. Yeah, right? and I was and in like, Nor- there's only one semi cool guy, and there. I was in Norfolk too. Mm-hmm. So and I didn't know anybody in Norfolk, yeah. and had I known, I could have gone to Crossroads or I could have gone to Insect Club, right. and like I ended up like you know, and you if you looked like a squid down there, like mm-hmm. it was like the the Scarlet Ladder, you know? yeah, like, yeah. Sure, John Joseph made it in Norfolk. Right. But I, Bo, is, that, is he from Bo there? Butler from fucking Virginia now? He's from New York or yeah. wherever, but he was in the military uh, in Norfolk, and so he went to Insect. I used to encounter him. We worked out at the same lame, like homemade Dominican gym on the Lower East Side. <laughs> <laughs> I introduced him to, to Sarah because I know him through uh-huh. the band, and I introduced him to Sarah, and uh, I was like, "Hey, John, let's take a picture real quick," because it was like one of the it was one of the last shows at CB's that we played with Bad Brains, and so it's like Sarah. It was like five nine, and then me on the other side, who's like five nine, and then this little tiny blonde dude who's like five six. <laughs> yeah. And so we took a picture. I was like, "Oh, thanks, John. It's good to see you." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, good set. It's good to see you." Blah 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 blah. We walked away, and I was like, "Do you know who that was?" And she's like, "I have no idea." I was like, "That's John Bloodclot from the Chromax." And she's like, "That dude's tiny." And I was like, "Yeah, totally." <laughs> And so. got that that short man like workout syndrome. Yeah, kind of. But like, I guess like when we mm-hmm. saw him, he like he'd grown his hair out a little bit, so he just kind of looked like I don't know. He looked like a Richmond City hardcore mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I got a couple tattoos. Mm-hmm. I got a fucking funny little nasally voice. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. an accent. I kind of sound nasally. Whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. That's Jen Bloodclot. <laughs> so deserting the Navy. Yes. You just one day you said fuck this and I'm out of here and you jumped like took off or walked off my ship yeah yeah and you go to richmond then or yeah 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 i I stayed up in in northern virginia in tim's house and i stayed with tim for a while and then uh his dad worked for the the government so Mm -hmm. they were like okay you know we gotta figure something out and so i left and traveled and a little bit not much and basically just mooched off my friends for a while and then i was out in california and something happened back in Richmond or back in Reston and I had to get home and I basically called my parents after a year I was like this is where I'm at this is where I need to be if you help me get back then I'll turn myself in and you know we'll go from there Mm -hmm. and so like in that time I'd been coming to Richmond and a little bit but I had to stay low-key here and then like I, I went back turned myself in Spent like a month and a half doing bullshit again because I turned myself in. They didn't catch me. Mm-hmm. And then got out, was in resting for about a month, and then moved down to Richmond. Been here so it wasn't two major consequences there? No, no, they basically slapped me on the wrist, gave me $1,000 for back pay, and said I could never enlist again. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I don't want to be in your stupid yeah. name. I didn't want to be in your fucking military. I mean, it was kind of cool, but uh, okay, I'll never enlist. And whatever. So- my early and you you brought up the straight edge thing and the and the sober thing. I mean that's that's where I'm at now. Like I'm a I've been sober five years. I'm like all into that, you know. But at the time that I met you, I was decidedly not, and and it seemed like I was, yeah. And it seemed like that was a, a that meant that really meant something. Like at the village, like back in those days. Like I remember you guys like setting up menu div- menus to divide yourselves from somebody drinking a pitcher on it. Well, that was awesome <laughs> because it was me and like Jeff Eden and all those yeah. dudes and. And well, because Foz and Foz Wood and Foz yeah. drank, mm-hmm. and the Dunn brothers and the Dunn brothers drank. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Hobby didn't really do much, and Jeff didn't do much. We just didn't like people, right? Right. You know, like we that just, was just an excuse. Yeah, we really yeah. just didn't want anything to do with anybody else because right. just didn't like people. Mm-hmm. But what was the? Is that what led to this straight edge thing, or was it part of picking up the whole gear from so, a scene? You know? So 
I went sober at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, You'd already been... I mean, I had obviously drink. dabbled in mm-hmm. everything, and I had like a nine-month period where I tried everything in the world, pretty mm-hmm. much. Almost. Um, uh, and in Northern Virginia, like if you messed, if you were kind of fucked up, or you were a punk rocker, or you were a metalhead or whatever, and, and your parents couldn't figure out how to deal with you, they just send you to institutions. Mm-hmm. So, Like mental institutions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like Dominion and, and Straight and a bunch of other like other places that would take you know thirteen year old punk rockers that nobody understood back then. I mean, because mm-hmm. at that point, like when I was thirteen, it was nineteen eighty four. Yeah, you know, like yeah. who understood punk rockers in nineteen eighty four? Right. But it certainly hadn't gotten to the point where you're watching TV last night. And they're advertising a new television with a Dead Boys video from yeah, CBGBs. Totally. You're not. You're, like, not, you're not watching. That's the, a million dollar spot in the middle of you're Walking not, Dead. You're not you watching know. Sailor Jerry. Reps and and the Misfits are playing. No, that oh, wasn't right. that wasn't the deal at all. So I had a bunch of friends go in to institutions, and one of my best friends at the time went in, and and I came. He came out for weekends, and I was having crazy drug withdrawals and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I talked to his mom, and she's like, you know, if you're so if you're doing drugs and drinking, you can't be around my son. And I was like, okay, I'll never do it again. And I just went sober. It it wasn't necessarily like for me personally. It wasn't anything that had to do with, like, my stance on anything. I just didn't drink, and I just didn't do drugs. Yeah, That's just the way it worked. Uh, I had other guys in the band. Maybe they went through institutions, and they came out, and they thought it was all bullshit, but they still did, didn't drink and do drugs. Mm-hmm. And Avail, kind of as a unit, we just didn't really drink and do drugs. It mm-hmm. wasn't like... It was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. We just didn't do it. So it wasn't part of like the Ian Mackay and all of those guys. No, it wasn't. No. We weren't, any, and we weren't cool enough because we were from right. the suburbs, right? You know, we weren't DC. Mm-hmm. You know, we we, didn't, we weren't cool enough to hang out with those guys. Those dudes were from DC. Yeah, you know? like yeah. That meant anything? I mean, I guess. It, it's, you, do you remember that movie that came out in the seventies, Over the Edge? That's my favorite movie of yeah. all time. Oh, it is. It is because it seems like that's where you came. That's from. That's where we came from. That's like exactly the, where people we came wanted from. to control every element. Oh yeah. Of they they wanted a city grid to live in in a neighborhood sort yeah. of. We, but they didn't want any of that chaos and that fucked up. Reston shit. is like the biggest uh, man-made community at that time in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably just the East Coast now. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you had to pay dues to the homeowners association. Mm-hmm. You couldn't paint your doors a co- certain color. Uh, Tim had a basketball net that they had to paint brown mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. didn't want it to be white. Right. Like, we grew up in that like weird. Uh, our uh, high school was modeled after Boar's Reformatory. There was mm-hmm. no windows. You know, like there was no windows in the school. Like you, to walk through the schools, you could see windows, but where you actually were supposed to learn, there was no windows. Yeah, mm-hmm. we grew up in that area. And so it's like almost a. I mean, we're not being incredibly insightful now to recognize that doing that. Creates kids that like because com- everybody I know that was off the hook came up. from that shit. Completely yeah. fucked up. But the cool thing about it was is that like, at least for me, is that like there was no like cr- broad cross section. You were mm-hmm. either like a normal kid, and I went to school with Grant Hill. Mm-hmm. Like you were either a normal kid or you were one of the ten punk rockers and like six metalheads. And the punk mm-hmm. rockers and metalheads did not like each other. Yeah, there was no like. There's no DRI. I was like, yeah, it's crossover. There's no mm-hmm. Slayer. No, it's like, mm-hmm. fuck you, you fucking long hair hippie. Right, right. You know, right. go smoke a bowl and go listen to Led Zeppelin, you fucking mm-hmm. faggots. And mm-hmm. then they were thinking the same thing probably to us. I just don't know it because I didn't like metalheads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, when we, when it, it made, like, us so, at least where we're from, it made us so fiercely independent and fiercely, mm-hmm. like, 
searching out other shit mm-hmm. that it actually benefited me. Granted, I have a lot of friends. I had friends that did 20 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, I have friends that died. But, I mean, that's just the way... I, to me, that was normal. That mm-hmm. was just the way it worked. Mm-hmm. And so when we came down here and you could do whatever you wanted, and we were severely independent and mm-hmm. so used to fighting everybody, going mm-hmm. to shows and getting your ass kicked because you were a suburban mm-hmm. kid, and fighting, you know, walking down the street because you were a punk rocker. When we came here, it was like, art students, who are these fucking pansies? Yeah, yeah. So we didn't get along. We with can be lo- the mayors of the yeah, town. Yeah, we huh? didn't get along with a lot of the kids. <laughs> right at first because they're like oh who are these kids from northern virginia they're not from here what they're fighting all the time and they're doing this and they're doing that and that was just the way we were brought up that was kind of my like i grew up in churchill where fighting was like it wasn't just like i mean it never ended unless you just gave up yeah like like because if i if i want to fight against a black kid in that neighborhood then i took on the next guy the next day so i got to the point where i was like this is not getting me anywhere you yeah. know, I'm getting really frustrated. I'm like, it's no, like being a gunslinger. A <laughs> or yeah. I'm winning a lot. There's always, I mean, I might beat the kid that's my size like today. Tomorrow, his cousin who's 18 comes looking yeah. for me. And I'm not exaggerating. That fucking shit happened oh, yeah, all the time. Absolutely. So I gave up on fighting, you know, and I, I went inside and got into comic books and, and video yeah. games and just stayed out of the, I mean, I went on the neighborhood some. So by the time I encountered you guys in college, I was like decidedly, I mean, I was like a metalhead, but also a new wave guy. And right. I liked everything except what you guys were doing. Absolutely. Because it seemed like these are the fucking guys are causing trouble. Like they just yeah. want to fight. I don't see any ideology here. There's none of this stuff I dig, which is like transcendent kind of right. brain stuff going well, that, on, which is Lester Bang's attitude too. Yeah, was well, like, well, that was, the, that was the whole thing too. It's muscle like, heads. It's like when, we were a punk rock band. Like, none of us... And by when we moved down here and we formed... And the the the, the core form that everybody knows is, is me and Tim Barry and Joe Banks. Mm-hmm. Eric Larson was in it for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Chuck McCauley. Um, we were so fucking different from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have one dude in the band that was not actively but pretty actively Mm pro-life and one of the guys that was pretty actively Mm pro-choice one guy could be like a non-card-carrying anarchist and the Mm -hmm. other one could be a a dead republican Mm -hmm. so as a band we never had any ideology right like there was nothing that we flew our flag behind outside of what we saw every day Mm -hmm. um that being said we all had our things outside of the band Mm -hmm. and fortunately or unfortunately for the band i was the most i was the person that you could say oh that that dickhead is at a veil. Mm-hmm. Like you'd, you'd never see <laughs> Joe Banks walking right, down I the street. Right, I had no idea who he was. Yeah, like <laughs> or Tim Barry. <laughs> yeah, but but that fucking asshole with the tattoos right. that would jump in your face about anything right. just be, just to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so. A lot of people assumed that the band was like that for a long time. Yeah, and we totally well, weren't. You know, the irony there is, I, I didn't really. I projected that mm-hmm. onto you. I don't think I ever had any dealings with you where you behaved that way. Mm-mm. It was just you just looked. You had a look on your face. I knew I. Had, well, I was a little uh, kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm five nine now, and I only have mm-hmm. grown an inch and a half since I was probably fourteen years old. Yeah. You know, like this is the size I've always. But been. I wanted the, the irony of that is, is that when I was managing Coney Island High, I was the night manager, and you guys came through there and, and did a show. Right. And I was really conflicted, and was like getting fucked. Like I was in in bad shape, and I wasn't sure if I should be staying in New York. Right. And you just sat down. We were settling up settling for the show money. upstairs. Yeah. And yeah. you said you can always come back to Richmond. Well. Yeah. Well, we're all we're waiting for you mm-hmm. there, and that really like meant something to me. That was, from, you know, you were my per, perception of you for so many years. Like not the guy that would say that no. to me, and it really like meant something. It, yeah, like, I, you it, know. that's the cool thing about Richmond. Mm-hmm. That was the at least I don't know if it is now because we're fucking old men. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's just the way it Speak works. For yourself. 
Yeah, fuck you. You're just as old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like back then, like, yeah, okay. If you're part of like the music scene or you're part of even the goofy artist scene and whatever, if you were part of that scene, like, come back. It's cool. Yeah. Come back. You mm-hmm. don't have to try to be somewhere, somebody somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool thing about being here. Like, you didn't have to be, you know, you didn't have to be, you know, your deal up in Coney Island High. Yeah. You didn't have to be fucking CJ being a fucking DJ. You didn't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, in Guar, even though Guar wasn't even that big of a deal right. at that point. You know? Right. Well, you didn't have to be doing something to justify your yeah, existence. You, just you could just to, be You could here. just be here. Yeah. You know? And yeah. we had friends that would come through and they were like, how do you deal with this? Like, it's real slow and it's, mm. you know, it's, it's real insular. And I was like, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. What, what's wrong with that? Like, you can always come back. Insular is another place. name for community, family. Yeah, it's weird. Like, people it's who weird, know right? you, you know them. Yeah. yeah. Like, we had friends that came and, and in my eyes, were in big bands. Mm-hmm. And they would play and come to our house and be like, you guys live like fucking pigs what the fuck is wrong with you we're like yeah but you know it's cool whatever and they'd be coming from new york and new jersey and then five years later they're like we should really move down there Mm -hmm. and we had bands coming like spit boy is a band from california that moved Mm -hmm. down here like super aggro pro but all women like women Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like not females but women with a y and Mm -hmm. super aggro and they moved here and then born against from yeah, they moved here, and like I just saw Adam the other day, the guitar player for Born Against and Life's Blood, like one of the coolest punk rock bands that changed punk rock uh, at Fox School because our kids had a parade together. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally random, totally weird. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, this is I guess when I started off, this I'm coming back around to appreciating. This thing I had nothing, no knowledge of. I mean, I was aware, but I was mainly aware, like, I don't want to go to those shows because I'm going to catch a boot in the head right. or whatever. And I, I'd much rather be with, you know, the sort of math rock, like the around the alternatives. I'd rather be at that show, you know, where the, everybody is kind of from the intellectual thing. And I didn't realize till I gotten far away from Richmond, I'm up in New York, that there's this whole other branch of punk rock I mean, it was that's never like that right but there's this whole other branch of punk rock that is that's intellectual that is like you know the art damaged right. kind of thing yeah 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 and then I came into it and then I started really appreciating that the the primitive like you know bad boy ex- expression of that the right. idea of like we, we don't need to sit at home and practice to form a band we can just form a band and it's good enough and we right. go out and play and suddenly we have tons of fans and we're you know and all of that really appealed to me and I came back to Richmond as a big fan of punk rock from that angle, but right. I never got into it from being a bad kid running the street right. that couldn't fit in anywhere. You know, but, but see, I chose it. You yeah, because like, it was none. None of us were like that. Yeah, none of us were really like that. To be honest with you, like, sure, we all had our issues, but none of us mm-hmm. were like that, and mm-hmm. we didn't come from that. We came from a totally different era. Like, we just didn't. As stupid as it sounds, we just didn't fit in. Yeah, we just couldn't. Like if someone said, "Yeah, dude, we're just gonna go cruise down to the lake and you know have get get drunk, have some beers, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna have some girls come. It's gonna be really cool." And I'd be like, "Fuck you! That sounds fucking lame." <laughs> I was like, "I don't want to go to the fucking go jump around in my underwear with you fucking assholes." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Those mm-hmm. girls don't like me anyway. What mm-hmm. the fuck do I want?" And beer, fuck you! Mm-hmm. I don't even like the way that shit tastes. Mm-hmm. That was where we kind of came from. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like trying to uh, uh, was. Uh, we weren't defending our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Granted, I did more than my fair share of defending my life. Mm-hmm. But we just weren't, that wasn't us, mm-hmm. you know? And and people had that perception, obviously, of 
punk rockers and that's the way punk rockers were mm-hmm. but that's one the way all punk rockers right. were you know like our early shows in richmond we were called naked core hmm. number one because people would get weird and i would be hot and i'd take most of my clothes off mm-hmm. and then next thing you know i'm like my girlfriend would be down to her fucking bra and underwear and she's jumping off the stage in fucking mm-hmm. boots and we just got known for being naked yeah so we were the we didn't we did and luckily for us we didn't fit in with tough guy bands mm-hmm. like tough guy bands that you know yeah you know, just as an example like broad rim like agnostic front or mm-hmm. sick of it all or any of the, those big huge new york bands like they're like yo those kids get fucking naked mm-hmm. and they're fucking weird and if you <laughs> say something stupid to them they're gonna say something stupid back and then we're gonna have to knock them the fuck out <laughs> you know like we didn't get along with those. we got along with those people mm-hmm. but we weren't that kind of band right and then we were coming from the northern virginia where we had to deal with the don't dance don't invade pers- people's personal property mm-hmm. space and mm-hmm. And, you know, like in between bands, instead of listening to music, we're going to listen to, you know, I don't know, tantric chants and talk mm-hmm. about the indigenous place of, plight of the Chiapas people mm-hmm. in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we're like, fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a fucking punk rock show. What the fuck is this? So we didn't mm-hmm. fit in with that either. Mm-hmm. It was just a really odd mix of weird dudes that just happen to play music together. And then around you over, what, a 20-year period, mm-hmm. a, a huge following springs up of people that projected all kinds of shit yeah onto you and yeah decided totally. that you were what they were about exactly and, yeah and we weren't <laughs> <laughs> i mean to a point like yeah we are we was a veil very like richmond centric yeah mm-hmm. totally because mm-hmm. we didn't know about it we didn't know and we didn't care and we didn't have the politics mm-hmm. because we were so different we decided early on we'd never talk about politics mm-hmm. so we talked about richmond mm-hmm. and we talked about being from the southeast and we talked about above like, the James, yeah, over the James, you <laughs> know, over like, the James, that's right. like just doing all that thing. Like we talked about what we knew every day, and I think that that appealed especially for us in the southeast mm-hmm. because if you're from Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. the fuck do you know about New York City hardcore? What do you right. know about fighting all the time? No, you, you know about like you want to be a punk rocker and look at that big, huge fucking patch of corn that's over right. there. You know, like right. we did really well in those places, mm-hmm. North Cal. North and South Carolina and that's just kind of like they were like holy shit you guys are the first punk rock band that was like fuck you we're from the south we like being from the south we like the slow pace sure we play fast music we want to hang out with our friends but yeah mm-hmm. we want this is where we're from this is who we are mm-hmm. and somehow or another it took off in the su- southeast and the fact that we were also very east coast very fuck you mm-hmm. it kind of took off in the northeast which mm-hmm. didn't make any sense to us at mm-hmm. all and then just slowly branched out. And when we got to California, people did not understand what the fuck we were doing. Granted, they're Californian progressive free mm-hmm. thinking and all that. Yeah, but to have a, like a bearded tattooed dude jumping around bleeding and spitting and just hugging you mm-hmm. at the same time, we'll punch you dead in the face. <laughs> like it didn't make any sense to yeah. them at all. Yeah. And like when we first went out there, uh, the, the, the one place, the one record label that we were curious about was like, yeah, you guys really aren't our thing. You're just really too aggressive. And we're like, that's cool. Can you hook us up with like a t-shirt company? Because we really like your t-shirts. Mm-hmm. You know? And they're like, yeah, I guess so. And then he listened to the, the records because we'd sent records to this company. And, and he was like, you know what? I, I totally took you completely wrong. Your live show is like something to behold. Mm-hmm. But your records are actually good. Yeah. Like you actually can play your, your instruments and you seem to know what you're doing. What the fuck are you guys doing live? And that's like, that's just who we are. Yeah, and that's it's what happens. Yeah, it's what happens. Like yeah. we weren't trying to think. We didn't have a fucking gimmick. 
Her gimmick was we're five half redneck, half Northern Virginia, starving to death punk rockers mm-hmm. trying to play music. And I, I remember that show at, uh, it w- I feel like it was two days, but maybe it was only one at, at Coney Island High in like 1998. And I don't think I'd ever seen you guys before that. And then I was having to work security for that show and, and, and lead a security team. And everybody was like, okay, we got one of these bands there. Because they're used to like 25 to life. They totally. come in there and every, nobody's in the audience. They're all yeah, on the stage. on stage. And they're knocking over everything and they're busting the PAs and all of that kind of stuff. And then you and have so, to worry about pushing one kid and fighting 25 of them. Right. Yeah. And we were prepared for something like that. Instead, it was like this big, I mean, yeah, everybody was on stage, but it was a total like love-in. It was yeah. like everybody was naked and getting up against each other, and, but nobody was fighting. Yeah, we're just right. having a good time. We're yeah. just, whatever we did, we did. And that kind of, I don't know, resonated for a while with people. Like They were mm-hmm. just like, that's cool. You can be in a band and like Sean Mellencamp. And you can still like punk rock? Yeah. I, I do that. Yeah, and I guess it winds up being one of those bands that, for some reason, and I think this is the marketers, that it's coming after Malcolm McLaren, who really tries to make punk rock a brand and make it one specific thing right. for everybody, when it never was. Never it was, was always a weird mixture of dudes at CBGBs well, was that or whatever. Then? It was then. Malcolm McLaren well, and all that guy's. But he, yeah. he came into this, like, late in the CBGB scene and took a hold of the New York Dolls and tried totally. to make them into something. Totally. And then he went back to England and was like, okay, he takes the kids that are hanging out at his clothing store and he makes right. them into a band right. and he puts a specific look on them which he stole from Richard Hell right. and he's like okay I'm selling this product yeah. and ironically that becomes that's what punk rock is that right. you got these piercings you got this ripped shirt whatever but it had always been also Patti Smith it had been the Ramones totally. it had been the Dead Boys it, it had been Susie Sue the fucking talking heads were wearing Oxfords yeah and I you fucking know? hate the talking yeah, heads I'm I'm a a I fucking hate them hate Morgan em. likes David Byrne though <laughs> I hate it. He drives me nuts. I don't know what it is. I I don't know what it is, but they all drive. Like, luckily for me, I got into that whole thing because I was curious. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to know about television, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to know about the Talking Heads, and I wanted to know about like all those bands in that specific genre of CBGBs and New York City. And thankfully for me, I fucking hated them. Yeah, all of them. Every single one of them. Almost all of them. You didn't like the Dead Boys? Nope. No. Could care less about that. Just got into the Ramones. Maybe ten years ago, and most of the stuff I don't even like. What like did I, you really like besides Avail when you were? Uh... See, the best part is that before I joined Avail, I hated Avail. Yeah, I thought they were fucking horrible. They drove me nuts. Um, I was really into uh, stuff that made everybody mad. Like uh-huh. I really like the first tape I ever got was SNFU, which I thought was a seven inch for the longest time because they didn't have enough space for the entire record. Uh-huh. Uh, it was Minor Threat on one side. Uh, SNFU and a little bit of Agent Orange and then Exploited on the other side. And I was like, wow, these guys... And like looking at mm-hmm. Minor Threat, you're like, these are just a bunch of fucking goofy kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, They're not wearing spiked this and bondage that. And right. That's cool. And then Exploited was the exact opposite. But they said everything that made people angry. Like whatever it was, Maggie, you cunt. Mm-hmm. The, oh, you can't say that. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yeah. And then SNFU was a band from... At that point, I had no idea. I thought they were from Northern California. They're from Canada. You know, and the guy's name's Mr. Chai Pig, and they're mm-hmm. talking about cannibalism and all this other. I was like, that's cool. And then there was Surf Rock. Mm-hmm. So I got really into whatever made people angry and like Southern California, like. But you like that good time sound of that, that, that Agent Orange. And, I loved Agent uh, Orange. Yeah. And then it turned into like. God, the adolescence. I found the mm-hmm. adolescence. Thank God I found the adolescence because then I found DI. 
and then I found Rick Agnew, and I found all those bands that were punk, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like we're super in your face and we have to have orange hair because that mm-hmm. wasn't me. I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to have orange hair, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I loved all that stuff. Anything that was like not taking themselves too seriously, but at the same time would be like, oh yeah, fuck you. What yeah. are you gonna do? Yeah. What do you? What the fuck are you gonna do? And I'm like, I'll, I'll, you stupid punk rocker, I'll smash your face. Bring it the fuck on. Mm-hmm. Bring it the fuck on. And granted, <laughs> I do. Lo- I do love a lot of like. Like I, I got really into when Gorilla Biscuits first came out. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Gorilla Biscuits changed punk rock. It ch- and good ways. In what way did they change it for you? Well, when Gorilla Biscuits came out, like they were straight edge bands, but they mm-hmm. were punk rock straight edge bands. Mm-hmm. And then Gorilla Biscuits came out, like that whole era of like Gorilla Biscuits and Judge and YDL, pretty much like the first New York, like this is New York or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it is. You didn't have to be a dirty punk rocker. You didn't have to be like whatever. You could be a kid from the suburbs that liked champion sweatshirts mm-hmm. and just loved this stuff. And they were talking super posy and everybody was a bro. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. That was yeah. really cool to me until it became its own entity. And then I fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. It became, when it, once it became hardcore and it was no longer punk rock, you know, hardcore punk rock Mm -hmm. and it was a bunch of kids with like bleach blonde hair and champion sweatshirts and adidas shoes with Mm -hmm. big x's on their hands and they were all in crews and all this i fucking wanted nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing to do i hated it that's interesting like like on the one hand like you didn't like that imposed that totally imposed weird ass grid order of Mm reston right but you liked knowing where you stood in the navy Mm -hmm. you know like and and i understand the attraction of that because it's really when you got to fucking make it and everybody needs to try this like you need to just try to fucking totally create everything from like brass tacks like start right. your own like not borrow anything from any part of culture and just do your own thing and right. find your own way but then after you've done that for a while and you're faced with all of the confusion and like you know issues that arise you start to go hey it's nice that people have figured out a way to do things and that I can kind of get in you know to a it- the, the, it's a good thing for me that I was in Avail that mm-hmm. entire time because I, I shit you not I was the kid and I still am the kid that they go well you probably shouldn't do that or you mm-hmm. can't do it that way mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to try to do and I'm going to fail miserably or I'm going to get in a ton of trouble I am that kid mm-hmm. like I still and luckily for Avail I, I knew at at some point like what I was doing would affect my friends that I've known my entire mm-hmm. life. So yeah, I'm not going to do that because it will affect the rest of the That's guys. a huge like revelation. Yeah. Like it's not that people are saying you can't do this um, because the the state's cracking down on you or whatever, but like your freedom mm-hmm. it fucking affects other people. To so point, yeah. you know, and like if you give a shit about the benefits of being connected to these other people, mm-hmm. then you got to have some respect for the impact your actions have Does, on doesn't mean we're and not going to give each other a hard time about that's it, part of choice it's part yeah. of the freedom of choice yeah. like i choose <laughs> i choose to, to do this right I, it, a long time uh, especially with me uh, when i was younger in, in avail i was the guy that was not allowed to do interviews mm-hmm. i was not allowed to be in the pictures because they knew that i would try to do something to make people angry mm. and then luckily from not being able to be the guy that just go oh you're from maximum rock and roll why can't you just make print that doesn't come off on your fucking fingers? Like, why can't you just do that? Like, yeah. instead of being like, you know, like, ooh, it's Martin or whatever, mm-hmm. I would be that guy. So I had to learn how to be that guy, in-between guy because I mm-hmm. couldn't piss off everybody because it would affect these people. But I really wanted to piss them off and mm-hmm. I really wanted to make them, you know, whatever. 
or, or say, hey, I really are stoked about what you do. So I became the guy that learned how to talk a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And because I never wanted to be like, I, I, whatever choice I make, I don't want it to affect y'all. I would never vote in a veil. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to go to New Jersey or New York? And she would go for New Jersey and she would go from New York. And they're like, bro, you have to vote. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I don't, okay, Tim, you want to go to Jersey? I want to go to Jersey too. So I became that guy also. And I'd already wanted to make everybody mad. So then I had to learn how to say it correctly and work it out. So I got us in more trouble after I learned those things than I did ever before. Huh. Like, <laughs> because I learned, how to, I learned how to play all the things I wanted to do and still piss people off, but in the way that they were like, well, we can't really... How are we going to... It, hmm. it went from being free spirit that's just like an agent of chaos kind of a thing to being manipulative, like oh, totally. arch villain kind of totally. on some level. Totally. Right? Uh, yeah. uh, I relate to that. We went you know? to, like, yeah, right. <laughs> we went to this thing called the More Than Music Fest, and we got asked to play the More Than Music Fest. And it was probably like 20 fucking, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like. God, I wonder what that's going to sound like, by the way, on the, awesome, the fucking fan coming <laughs> on. Uh, it was like all these crazy bands, like Spit Boy and Born Against, and like everybody was, you know smelled like a wet dog and everybody had all black clothing mm-hmm. and, you know, and everybody had their Amoebix t-shirt on mm-hmm. and, and they all were ra- rallying against everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are, this is what we're playing. This is, this is the show where mm-hmm. we decided to play. This is going to be fun for us. I was mm-hmm. like, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. So of course I went and bought a cowboy hat, put a Confederate <laughs> flag on it. Uh, everybody was straight edge and had straight edge things. So I drew circles on it and took, and wouldn't refuse to wear a t-shirt. And they were like, Dude, you can't do that here. And I was like, well, what do you mean I can't do that here? Like, you can't do that. That's, like, that's offensive. And I was like, well, you being straight edge is a fucking offensive to me. Uh-huh. They're like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I just don't like the way you're pushing it down my throat. Like, we're not pushing it down your throat. And I got us in so much fucking trouble. But some of the people that, like, older p- punk rockers that were there were like, that's fucking genius. Mm-hmm. That kid really doesn't give a shit about mm-hmm. anything that any of these other people stand for. Mm-hmm. Totally supports the fact that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. But really wants to make them angry to see how stupid they look. Yeah. I got that away. Then I played games for a long, long time. And then the last time I got us in a lot of trouble, we played uh, Hellfest in New Jersey. And it's right across the street from fucking Ikea. Mm-hmm. And granted, I, I have Ikea shit. I don't yeah. know shit. But right across from the street from Ikea, everything was pink and black. Everybody had cool haircuts. Everybody was wearing makeup or had all their full sleeves and their tattoos on their necks and stuff. And I go there, and um, Hot Topic is sponsoring one of the stages. <laughs> Starbucks and Hot Topic make me actually physically angry. Yeah. Hot Topic is sponsoring one of the stages. I was like, that's as not punk rock as I can fucking think. I'm in my 30s, late 30s. And uh, they don't want to pay. And so, of course, it makes me angry. Already mm-hmm. there's Hot Topic. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. And then there, uh, we have a friend that I've known for years and years and years, and he's doing something for a band that maybe drew like you know fifty kids, but mm-hmm. they got a two hundred dollar guarantee because they're from Connecticut. You know, right. They had to get back up there, and the promoter's just like, "Yeah, we're not going to pay you." Mm-hmm. And and my friend Chuck tells me, and I was like, "Cool." I was like, "All right, guys, I'm going to go make somebody angry." And they're like, oh, <laughs> no. and I basically walked at a promoter and I said, "If you don't pay this band two hundred bucks, like you promised them, available will not play." And he's like, "Yeah, okay, for real." I was like, "No, fuck you. We're not going to play." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "But you're on the main stage, like." prime time and I was like I don't give a shit we're not gonna fucking play you promised to pay these people pay them mm-hmm. so he pays them I was like cool no no hard feelings whatever and the guys were just like like the guys in the band were like holy shit did you really just do that and I was like yeah number one Chuck's my friend 
and you're his friends, so now we're friends. And I was like, he promised you something. Like, you got to stand up for yourself. That's the way you do this. Yeah. Things. Like, wow. Well, how can we repay you? Well, in this place <laughs> where everybody's prim and proper and everybody's straight edge and everybody's doing all these things, you can't smoke and you can't drink. And I get that to a point. Mm-hmm. Same time, if you put 10,000 punk rockers and hardcore kids in the same place and you say, you can't do this, there's got to be some Somebody, asshole yeah. that's going to say, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, you have to give me a fifth of Jack Daniels. I said, okay. So I watched, you know, I have my fifth and put it away and I'm watching all these other bands and Sick of It All is playing. Is it Sick of It All? Sick of It All is playing. 20 minutes from where they're from. There's maybe like 200 kids freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. There's this horrible fucking pseudo metal band, pseudo hardcore metal band that just fucking blows. They play before. There's like 3,000 kids freaking out, doing the stupid dance where nobody touches them and super stylized, and they practice it in the mirror. And then Sick of It All plays, and there's like 200 kids. I was like, what the fuck? Another fucking highly stylized metal band plays, and they're doing the fucking same thing. And I was like, this is fucking lame. This is the lamest thing. Agnostic Front plays, same thing fucking happens. Next day, I'm already angry. The next day, we go, and I wa- I'm watching. I was like, holy shit, DRI's playing this. This is going to be fucking awesome. A Bad Luck 13, which are just, I don't really care for them, but I love the theatrics of it. Mm-hmm. And DRI, DRI's, I mean, I never saw DRI when I was growing up. So I was like, where's DRI playing? And I go f- see my friend Bill, who was in Descendants and Black Flag and mm-hmm. Misfits. He's playing in a band in a corner. It's like no stage, playing on a corner. It's it's, I can't remember the name of the band right now, but it was Bill Stevenson, mm-hmm. guys from Bang, guys from Good Bill Is he all also? Yeah, yeah Descendants yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And they're playing in a corner. And I was like, where are you guys? Where, where is DRI playing here next? And they're like, no, they're playing in, in the other room, which is the Hot Topic stage. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, granted, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. But they were play- it was like, Hot Topic presents DRI lost my shit mm-hmm. and I and I walk up and right before we played I was like Tim I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get us banned he's mm-hmm. like okay we're just gonna <laughs> play Dixie front to back we'll play it we won't stop we'll just blast it out and we'll get off stage and I said I don't know if we're gonna get get on stage he's like go for it so I walked out lit a cigarette had a fifth of Jack Daniels in my hand opened the Jack Daniels up took a big swig and I was like hey you know you guys look like fucking the same person and you <laughs> fucking suck and I was like the fact that Hot Topic sponsored this and DRI the punkest band in the history of the world played on the Hot Stop fuck you fuck this venue fuck this place we're Vale from Richmond, Virginia thank you very much blast out on everything that w- came after that because they mass produced all the stuff afterwards Avail's not on anything wow. and we got banned Wow. Immediately, and I was so fucking happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really was. It made me really happy. Yeah, you know, this. I mean, at our age now, like we've we've recognized that obviously punk rock over and over again just becomes a conformist thing because yeah. people just, uh, you know, like Devo said, freedom of choice is what you got. Freedom from choice is what, what you want. Yeah. You know, you want you want somebody to tell you where to belong yeah. you know like you do a little bit of uh, research you like you go i don't like what my parents are telling me i like what school's telling me but i'm gonna go find some other person let them tell me yeah and totally. then that's the inquiry stops yeah and like stop <laughs> stop but like you know i've always been really interested in constantly mixing that up 
you know, like, and I guess we're kindred spirits and like th- that, that way. And a lot, and it came along with me a lot of just being fuck you for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. And that for me was fueled by alcohol quite a bit because it's easy to have liquid courage to go say fuck you. Totally. When, <laughs> when you're not going to feel it when you get punched. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm not going to feel it when people are upset. Like, I'm not going to feel it emotionally. I'm not going to feel it physically. There's no impact totally. to me, you know, except that I'm finding myself more and more isolated from people that I want to be hanging out with right. and getting along with I, I, I've always I, I was always more just to get in your face and mm-hmm. just to just to make you angry and mm-hmm. and even if I said anything it might not I might not necessarily mean it but if it makes you angry then I totally mean it yeah I totally fucking mean it uh, do you think do you is it is the getting people angry to provoke a response yes be, but not to actually hurt them or piss them off yes like that it, too that too that also too. you like you do like to just get a rise out of people Absolutely. yeah mm-hmm. i mean who doesn't yeah i guess i do too I mean, but that hurts w- let me push it yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> Ooh, that doesn't feel good yeah yeah and it's weird because like like tim said it like i have a huge tattoo on my chest that says keep america first mm-hmm. am i pro-american absolutely if you're super pro-american am i going to be pro-american Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. And did it get us in a lot of trouble? Yeah. Did people think that I got it for a specific reason? Yeah. I got it because I did believe in it, but I knew that it would make people angry. I got two things to say about that, though. <laughs> one, Mark Twain, I think, said this, and it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Whenever I find myself in the majority, I rethink my position. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? That works. Because then there's not thinking going on. It's becoming dogma. It's yeah. becoming some kind of like fucking propaganda or bullshit. And people are not critically questioning. You always have to be questioning because right. humans fucking get in ruts. We don't, totally. you know, we're driven by animal shit. And in order for us to not be <laughs> right. animals, we have to keep like kind of talking to each other and figuring shit out. Yeah. But also putting America first, whatever, it depends on how you de- define America. I currently sure. define America as it is, as a, a crazy melting pot of cultures from all over the world, which is what it's always been. I call horseshit. You know? You call horseshit? I call horseshit. Yeah. Okay. What's it? I mean, it, the evidence is there. It's ever since to the, a point. Ever since it was named America, it's right. been a bunch of different fucking people. But there's from not. All over. There's not Chinatown. There's not. The Chinese have been here almost as long as the right, Europeans. But there's, but there's right. Chinatowns. There's little right. Mexicos. Right. There's little Puerto Ricos. Right. There's all those things. There's no. That's what America going, is. That's not a melting pot. No. Technically, a melting pot would be if little. Did I did I say melting pot? You I got. I wanted it. to you say it. Maybe I said it. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't melt, but it's still like the chunks sure, are still there. It's so, a pot. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess. More but like it a does. Stew. It's, it works. It still works together, right? Like does it's it? still. Yeah. It does. I mean, you. It's it's obviously working. It's not mass chaos. It's not all fucked up. Okay, I'll you do that. know that you can go. I can go to this part of town and I can eat Indian food, you or can I eat can go to Indian this, food. Right, you're not interacting with. Indians. I do. Maybe you do. Yeah, but most of the world, most a lot of, the of people be, who think that way are you know it's xenophobic or or what? It's cool. I can go. Right. I can go have. I can go eat falafel on the street. That's yeah. a fucking melting pot. Well, that's, that's true. You eating falafel on the fucking street. No, but I mean, for whatever reason, like I ended up working at a restaurant depot where I'm standing back there in a meat department, and everybody that buys meat is coming by me. You know, including mm-hmm. lots of uh, people who are Muslim because whether they're from Somalia, I was in the Midwest, so mm-hmm. whether they're from Somalia or they're from Egypt, they buy halal beef because right. it's going to be slaughtered a certain way. Right. And I am interacting with those people. No, you're selling them. A product no but we're talking we have conversations like, about hey how was your day no we s- would stop and talk about fucking the Eid Mubarak you know okay. I mean like you know whatever we talk about, I'm like so you're buying all this halal shit right now because Ramadan's about to start tell me a little bit about that right. because since I quit drinking I became really interested in all the other ways that people deal with shit that drives them crazy right you know so I'm interested in all the ways people do that because I don't want to be dogmatic I don't want to be just a Christian totally. or any of that shit 
So I'm really open to like all of the shit I have. First, I start off with but like you're, you're you're not you know, one of the masses. You're no, I'm not. But I'm but also the not the minority. I mean, I may be the minority, but there's lots of people like me, right? You know, but a lot of people, and, that, and that, I'm that, an American, and that's the thing. Like that's why I <laughs> would, that's why the especially that tattoo is funny. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it's like this great. Well, it can mean whatever I want it to mean. They're like yeah, totally. But yeah. It, but at the same time, you can think like all right, well, both super fucking pro American. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And kiss my ass, and I'm not. Right. Am I? But what, point. What, what somebody could think that you mean by pro-American is like, I'm pro-white people from Europe who sure. are only down with, you know, one you culture think, that sprung if, up if in If I this think that country. that's going to make you angry, yeah. I'm totally going to run right, with it. Right, right. I'm totally going to run but, with it. But when you say put America first, you can mean anything. That being know? said. To me, that's how it is that now. Being, anyway. Yeah, that being yeah. said, my wife is Canadian mm-hmm. and my kids have Canadian passports. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's a fucking country anyway, dude? It's just Granted, as much I, something I totally that you agree. say, fuck... I'll decide what an American is. You don't get to brand totally. me because obviously all these people I've talked to in Richmond, and Richmond is just one little chunk of tiny chunk. Yeah, <laughs> it, whether it's Greta Brinkman or Matt Connor or right. Kathleen Brady, whose yoga class I'm going to in a little while. All these people say, you know, I'm, I'm in some respect they say I'm like I'm not decidedly an American, or they talk shit about you know to some degree about American. American. But we are we were all created in the borders of this country yeah. by this culture. So we're Americans. Yeah. And we like represent America to the world as much as the fucking elastic waistband Walmart shithead who is, totally. has allowed themselves to be completely controlled by, totally. you know, marketing. Now, those people really make it look bad. But without them, we wouldn't have this thing that we do where we're like, I know one thing. I don't want to be that. Yeah. You know? And, and if there's no that, what the fuck are you actually rebelling against? Right. What are you actually still, trying not to be? And that's the thing that's occurred to me in my 40s here is that when you're rebelling against something, you're still completely tied to it. Oh, totally. I you rebel know? against absolutely. <laughs> I, I will rebel against absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. I will make fun of everything and I will make sure. And, and luckily now, I know how to do it to a point where I can go <laughs> and make you giggle about mm-hmm. it, even though mm-hmm. I'm calling you a fat bastard. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I've always been like that. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll continue to make people angry. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Because I want people to think. And I, I talked to my, this is going to sound funny, I talked to my dentist about it because I went out with my dentist. Me and Sarah went out with her dentist and whatever. And I have Keep America First. Mm-hmm. I also have a, a, a portrait of Jesus. But underneath mm-hmm. it, it says Satan. Mm-hmm. I also have a Confederate flag tattooed on my stomach. Mm-hmm. A huge Confederate flag. And most people will look at me and kind of go, ugh, mm-hmm. what the fuck's this asshole? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I've done it purposely to invoke one of two responses. Either number one, I have my little my little menus up, and you leave me the fuck alone. Right, right. Leave me the fuck alone. Right. I don't like it's people. It's like step I don't, off. I don't if you want, got a problem with this, yeah. great. I don't. Want cool. To. I don't want to talk to you anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then the other the other fold is to invoke a conversation. And if mm-hmm. you have, I don't. If you're super anti Satan mm-hmm. and you are offended by that, and I'm like, why? And yeah, to a point. I might think you're a complete idiot, but th- mm-hmm. I might take some points to go, yeah, that makes sense. There's got to be a dialogue. And th- yeah, totally. And it's, that's the great thing about making people angry is because we're going to fucking get angry. And if you can't deal with your anger, then you're you're impotent and screwed up and insane. <laughs> right. You know, you've got humans get pissed, you know, and yeah. adrenaline gets in your fucking body. And if you don't know what to do with it, sooner or later, it's either going to give you cancer or, <laughs> right. you know, you can drive gotta, your car to a wall. I want to get cancer from smoking cigarettes. Yeah. I want to get cancer from sm- uh, from being all pent up. I'm, right. I'm good with that. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I want to. I've always wanted to make people angry. The thing that I'm sick of now is like, if you want to be pro something, why the fuck do you have to spend all this energy being against something else? Yeah, just build the thing that you fucking want. 
I never okay. really got that. Yeah. I don't, I don't get, well, I mean, I, in a standpoint from being in a punk scene, from wanting to have an independent venue and not play Twisters because mm-hmm. we thought the dude that owned Twisters was racist. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do that. I wanted mm-hmm. to build those things. And it wasn't that I give, gave a shit about what anybody else thought. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. Like, I thought that was cool, you know. And maybe it stemmed from something else, but I just thought it was neat. Mm-hmm. And now, part of me would kind of go, well, who gives a fuck? I mean, mm-hmm. seriously? Is it bothering you? Mm-hmm. Is it bothering you? And they're like, yes, it's totally bothering me. Have you said anything to him? No, I don't talk to those kind of people. <laughs> right. I was like, why not? It's just those first, are the people mm-hmm. you should talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you should do. And and if you want to build something just to build it because it's cool, that that's awesome. If yeah. you want to build something just because you completely anti whatever it is, that's cool. That's awesome. If you get me involved, I'm going to say that's something that's my stupid. big anti thing is being anti things. I'm anti everything. <laughs> I'm totally anti. I yeah. mean, you uh, maybe the my Tuesday rants. I'm anti everything. Well, I find those entertaining. See, and, and like where I'm at now, like I mean, shit, I've known you for 20 years or whatever, and I, I and I've also known that spirit for 20 years, and I've been that spirit, mm-hmm. you know, where I went, I spent all my time going fuck the West End or fuck Shaco Bottom or right. fuck U of R or whatever. And you've pointed out a while ago, if it weren't for a U of R, you know. You wouldn't have this house, yeah. you know. It's like totally. you've been making money off of those ass totally. wipes for like a long time. Fuck tards, and that's, absolute shit. You know, and that's a, another reality. Is like, I mean, if you want to do well in Richmond, you can either be like huddling in your corner, going, "God damn, you know, all of these people have all this power, and and we're just nothing. picking up the scraps," or you can say, "Hey, those people are basically, you know, they're they're waiting to be like." Given it something, you totally. know, they're waiting to buy something. Why don't you sell them something instead of? You know. I've been always been lucky enough that that people are, are like, "How do you fucking say that? Mm-hmm. How do you cu- walk up to a girl at your bar and go, look, you fucking fat bitch? The fuck do you want to drink?'" Mm-hmm. I have a vodka cranberry. Of course, you'll have a vodka cranberry. <laughs> Everybody has vodka cranberries, yeah. and I'll laugh about it, and she'll laugh about it, and they'll laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "How the fuck do you say that to people? If I said that to people, they'd freak the fuck out." Mm-hmm. How do you say that? How do you do that? I was like, I just say them. I don't give a fuck what you think. And they let you. And like, they do. Who owns Starlight? Is that Javos? Or, no, no, it's the Rugers that own the village. Oh, yeah? Full circle. Really? Yeah, because I worked at the village <laughs> when I first worked here. But like, it, if you don't care, if you don't, it, you know, like, I don't, I, 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 I mean, that again is people fuck. like knowing where they stand with shit. And like, I would much rather somebody say some shit to my face, have enough respect for totally. me to do that than to be doing crap behind the scenes exactly. and like if talking gonna, shit if behind like, my if back. If we and, know each other mm-hmm. and... You decide that you're going to get shmammered one night, because this is what my life consists of for the most part, mm-hmm. outside of Yo Gabba Gabba and fucking Dora the Explorer. Right. If you decide to get shmammered one night, and I go, hey, man, sure you want to get shmammered? And you go, fuck you, Bo. Yes. Mm-hmm. I go, sweet. Give me your mm-hmm. credit card. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get you I'd like to be the one that takes I'm your money take tonight. all of your fucking money. <laughs> I, I don't want you to walk somewhere else and, and yeah. give somebody else my fucking money. I want that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm being a dirty capitalist. I'm being... Me, you're being a capitalist, though. I don't give a and fuck. There's what nothing you want fucking to call wrong with being a capitalist. I don't care what you call right. it, right? Because I don't own that business. I'm not making them. I'm making them money. I'm just a cog in the wheel, mm-hmm. and I'm totally. The fine thing with is, that. this is not ironic at all. <laughs> no. And people used to think it was, but look, all the fucking ex-punk rockers and all the people that have. I've or, always had no, jobs. I should say ex-punk rocker. Yeah. Everybody who 
at some point, you've got to find a place where you can fucking make a living because you're not going to live in a goddamn squat and bum change on the street Maybe the rest you of are. your fucking life. <laughs> but yeah, you can do that. But like, yeah, you can eat the rice that somebody didn't eat that they left in the trash. Totally. But, that's but, not me. I don't you know, you don't have to do that. You know? and I was the only one that's always had a job throughout the entire day. I worked mm-hmm. at tattoo shops. I worked at ODC. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. I remember that. Yeah. I saw you quite a bit. No, okay. yeah, I think we saw each other more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I worked, at, I worked at ODC. I've always had a job. I've always worked. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the dumb things that the military taught me. It was one mm-hmm. of the dumb things that my dad taught me. You know, and sure, I didn't want to do it, but at least I found a job that I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Did I get paid, you know, $75,000 a year? Nope. But I got to eat and buy whatever kind of shoes I wanted to mm-hmm. buy. And I got to make fun of people. And eventually, somehow or another, it got me laid. Yeah, well, there's. And, and here's the thing. You get all the things that you want as a monkey, right? But you either take fucking initiative or you w- go around whining as a victim, right? Because right? what the American dream is is you don't have to be a victim. Right. You know, I'll take that. you can you can you may not get to be in the fucking boardroom. You may not make fifty thousand dollars a year, a hundred thousand dollars, or fifty. But you can find a fucking spot and you can build some shit. You're allowed yeah. to do. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that. You're going to stop you from doing that totally. if you're a little bitch and you whine all the time about how it's not fair and it's right. not set up right. But like, <laughs> somebody <laughs> else has got my job. Yeah, and you know, no, th- and there's that plenty down, for everybody. And that boils down yeah. to minor threat. Yeah, you know, like minor. What does he say? Like. You tell me that I'm better. You just hate yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what they get the, all the breaks that belong to you. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, that all boils down to like, granted, my first 90 minute tape that I absolutely fucking love and mm-hmm. I'll remember for the rest of my life. And yeah, I've always been, I, I've known how to get, I don't want to get ahead. I don't want to just survive, but I don't want to be everybody else. You want to get yours. I don't even give a fuck right. about mine. Sometimes, like, right. I'm, yeah, I'm in the bar business, and it's my job to rely on tips. So, yeah, I rely on tips. You want tips. a house? You want to be able to provide for your family? Yeah, I mean, to a There's point. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. It's not- I mean, it's, but I'm not like, I'm not like fucking, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm mm-hmm. out till 3 o'clock in the morning because I'm making sure that you So you don't wear that mine. on your sleeve, but you're still doing it. Yeah, you know? but I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know, but, like, I, I've been lucky enough that I, I figured out, and, and, because I've always been the same way for the most part. And even if it takes people a while to warm up to me, they always kind of go, I thought he was a really big fucking asshole. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard that he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, don't say anything stupid around him. He's going to be a fucking asshole. It actually turns out he's a pretty nice guy. Mm-hmm. And I am pretty, a pretty nice you're guy. You're a hell of a guy, I'm man. I'm so sweet. And I'm very comfortable. Because <laughs> I can see in your eyes that you're a good human being, you know? Yeah, fuck so you. if you would have. <laughs> <laughs> you're a wonderful human being. I don't care what anybody fuck says. Fuck you. All right, man. We got to wrap this up. We yeah. got to get to yoga. Get Thanks. To yoga. Thanks a lot. Sure, it was buddy. a good time. <laughs> Beautiful human being, like I said. Wonderful human being, Mr. Bo Butler. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Lots to chew on. Lots of history. Lots of controversy. Or I don't know if it's really controversy. We're all too uh, jaded and modern to be easily controversialized over such hot-button topics in America, race. You know, you really get offended about race stuff if you're insecure, right? Otherwise, who cares what anybody says? can't let anybody get to you unless you're a wuss, right? That's what I think. As much as, like I mentioned before, um guy I'm living with just really isn't comfortable with me living a normal life as a red-blooded American male and having my GF and my BFF up in here 
And uh, <clears throat> I'm fucking 43 years old. I don't need to be putting up with that. So I found me a house and I need help getting into it. So uh, you guys, any little bit helps kick into the campaign to get me into some proper digs back in the city, back in the nabe, back in the briar patch where I belong. Yeah, the places up there in Union Hill, cozy little neighborhood near Mosby School, Jefferson Park, great house. So, yeah, I'd really appreciate it if you could go to tantraconversation.com and make a donation. Any little bit helps, but uh, the you know, the more the better. The bogus better eye, hook it up, and uh, <clears throat> we thank you for being regular listener on Tantric Conversation and hey if you like gluten free baked treats you should check out Morgan Stone's uh, offerings at the Lakeside Farmer's Market she has gluten free pies she has gluten free desserts she has pizza dough pizza crusts she has dinner rolls and in addition to that there are a whole bunch of wonderful candy trees she gave me a whole box of uh dark chocolate and peanut butter cups that are are sitting by my bed and i keep eating them and they are so good so she's there on saturday from dawn or eight eight to noon actually but you can also find her there's a facebook page for ganesha bakery and you can order stuff from her and going forward there's going to be other ways to get a hold of her stuff but meanwhile, drop by the Lakeside Farmer's Market on Saturday from 8 to noon. Check her out. She's inside the building. Like, not outside, but inside the large building there. And there's a lot of other great stuff at the Lakeside Farmer's Market. We're down with Lakeside in general. It's cool. So, peace. <laughs>